Welcome to the Dauntless Grace Exchange. I'm Megan. And I'm Deidre. And we're all going to take a deep breath right now. <laughs> and center ourselves. I'm going to center ourselves. Because we have lots of words about the Enneagram. But also but I have lots of words about life. <laughs> it's hard you, to slow down. you either have all the words or no words. There's not really no in between with you. No words are just when I, it's like, whatever time, I don't care if it's 8.30, 11.30, whenever my, I can go to my bed and get in bed, then I'm done for the day. I run and run and run. And that might be a great segue into the fact <laughs> that we're talking about triads today, because I happen to be in the doing dominant one. Really frustrates me, really frustrates me when I'm trying to do, 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 and my phone battery dies, or I get stopped at every red light on the way home. Or there's a detour, all of these things happening today to get to this point. So in the last 15 minutes, apparently. (laughs) So I'm coming in hot. (laughs) This feels right. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought I'd come with a real life example of what it feels like to be an Enneagram one who is in the doing dominant, but also the anger gut body triad. (laughs) I would be so much less frustrated right now if in my car, I could be moving. Now, here's something, dear listener, (laughs) that I say to Megan on a fairly regular basis, because when I worked my last job, I did a lot of driving just across the state of Illinois or for different things, right? And I would, we'd be talking and I'd be like, every once in a while, do you you think it's weird when you're driving and then you just, it's like, whoa, I'm just sitting and I'm like moving 75 miles an hour down a road, but like my body isn't moving. And what is your general response to that when I say that, Megan? My first response is, yeah, we've had this conversation 28 times. My other response is, I feel like that is very, like, for a, that makes sense to me that you would be like, I understand, like, in theory, I'm moving, but I don't feel like I'm moving. And therefore, I feel unproductive. Right. It's like my body is trapped, even though it is moving. My body is not moving. Like, when I'm at home, I don't just sit. It takes a lot for me to do that. Even when I'm working on my laptop, like working, I am usually standing at my kitchen counter. It's really hard for me to sit and be productive. I'm not going to respond to that. Um. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to introduce the idea that for those of us trapped in a, a body that's moving, but they're not actually moving and producing, it gets it's frustrating, which is partially why we're in that anger triad, because there's a lot of things oh. that stand in the way of being productive or getting things done. No, let me just reframe this for the dear listeners that we scheduled tonight to record a podcast. You were rushing to get home. So you called me from the road so that we could discuss what we were going to discuss. And you're yelling into the phone, but not at me, but at the dear 80 year old woman driving in front of you who forgot to turn her turn signal off or speed her car up to get onto the highway. She's and it was like 25 <laughs> miles an hour on the on-ramp to the highway with her right blinker still on from the turn she started 200 years ago. I'm just saying it did not like she, ah. <laughs> Okay, everybody, but fours are the drama queens here. Let's just, okay. I'm just saying that road rage came out like hot and fast. And I was like, this might be a good time to talk about triads because every triad, all three of them have a primary emotion that is very easy to access. And I think those primary emotions come out as firefighters 
for us a lot to use some IFS language there. So you were having your little goal blocked of getting home to record this podcast and getting through your day to be able to get into your bed at whatever time the end of the day came so that you could just be done doing. And the little old lady was blocking that goal for you. And the anger just boom. Well, just to be clear, she wasn't an old lady when I finally zoomed past her. (laughs) She was not, she was probably younger than me, which infuriated me infuriated like if she was an old lady I would have the benefit of the doubt in her favor but this Uh young lady no no drive like you mean it (laughs) like you have somewhere to go and even if you don't have somewhere to go get out of my way so I can go (laughs) I don't usually have like a ton of road rage I would just like to back up a little bit I'm I don't even really speed you go faster than I do usually when we're going somewhere no I always drive the speed limit when we carpool to work from my house to the office of, of our job at the university, I never got there in less than 55 minutes. And you're like, 45. Right. That's a 45 minute drive. I don't understand why it took you so long. Never been. A f- so I'm just putting this. It's in 55 minutes from my house and I live 10 minutes past you. <laughs> well, that it takes me 15 minutes to get to your house. So none of this math is working. <laughs> I'm just trying to tell our listeners that I'm not like trying to speed I'm just going the actual speed limit to get to where I need to go (laughs) you're so expressive right now okay so this is a really good segue into what we're talking about which is triads and those primary emotions and let's all again take a breath why are we talking about this right now you take a breath (laughs) (laughs) here's why we're talking about All right. Here's why we're talking about this. It's because actually we got together last week, a couple of times to work on some speaking proposals that we were doing. And as we were setting it up, realized that I, well, I'd done this, I think, I don't know, a few slides on my Instagram several years ago, but it hadn't been something that we'd really revisited or looked back at to see, okay, now that we've learned more about the Enneagram and about internal family systems, what does this mean? And so when we were looking through the triads and those primary emotions, realized that I had kind of laid out some scripture verses, like those promises of God or who I am in Christ kinds of scripture verses that went with each triad, which is kind of cool in a way, but also like, okay, so what, like you can Google promises of God and find a thousand scriptures. So what is, you know, why are these different? And that's when we realized it's really speaking to the heart of those primary emotions for each triad. And I really thought, let's dive into that a little bit because I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about lists of scripture and taking verses out of context in general, Um, being raised evangelical, being raised in the youth group, being a youth leader for 10 years. I have a lot of promises of God memorized. I can go through the whole list of Neil Anderson's Who I Am in Christ. I can I have the bookmarks. I've got all the papers and I believe in the word of God in scripture. Like I believe in the promises of Jesus. I'm not even throwing those away, but it's like those new age affirmations that we always heard about being like so bad. Like if you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror and you just say these things over and over and over to yourself every morning, your whole life is going to change. And we're all like, no, that's so new age and wrong. But like Christians are doing the same thing. Just like with Bible verses, right? That's how they feel. They feel like (laughs) if you say these daily affirmations, then these will materialize in your life. And, and I do think that there's something important about 
learning the truth of God's word to combat some of the lies that we carry as, you know, those core beliefs that aren't really true about us. But um, yeah, you're right. Like just applying it like a magic potion. If I say this the right amount of times or so many times or memorize it, then it's going to have this end result. Um, But what we saw was some of these were, they were actually, they weren't like, okay, for example, for anger, for the gut body trend, they weren't Mm -hmm. scriptures about anger or for head and fear trend. It wasn't scriptures about fear or for the heart trend. It wasn't scriptures about shame. It was about saying, who am I in the work that God's already done? Not something Mm -hmm. I'm saying, I will daily do this, this, and this, you know, as though my works could somehow be better than the work Christ has already done. But it was speaking to the core fear that the, that would produce those emotions. Yeah. And the core desire that each triad has to how, of how they show up in the world. Yeah. So like the scriptures were, um, Oh, these are about belonging. Well, that Mm -hmm. speaks to this fear in the shame triad that I'll be rejected or I won't be enough or I'll show up in a way that won't be received or understood. So, oh, okay. There's a key because now we're not saying stop having shame. If you're in the shame triad, right. Or stop desiring to belong yes. or, or and like our, our desires aren't bad and our emotions. I mean, if you've been around here, even a minute, you've heard us talk about emotions and IFS work and all of the things. And we're not saying, so never feel shame, get rid of your anger. Don't be afraid. Like you'll never hear us say any of those things because emotions are neutral. They don't have moral value. And you said something so beautiful when we were talking this out a little bit earlier. And I don't know if you remember your verbiage, but I do. So go ahead and say it. And if you don't, I'll correct you. Okay. Well, <laughs> so let's, let's start with the first one is like the gut anger triad, right? Anger is the emotion. If we're using IFS language, anger is the firefighter, as you mentioned, right? And the firefighter is the emotion that is leading us and getting our attention. So anger Mm -hmm. in and of itself is not a problem, but it's an indicator that we need to go somewhere further. And it's almost like that part of us that is angry to get our attention is leading us to the exile part that has been asking for protection, that believes this lie or this burden of that, that, um, they don't have any significance or impact or whatever. Well, and I think that is nuanced and specific for each type. So when we're talking about the gut anger triad, we're talking about eights, nines, and ones. So they're all going to have a, like a slightly different spin on that. They all want impact and like justice or reformation is important to all of them. And anger is their primary emotion, but it's kind of, they spin a little bit as to what those core fears are and those core lies that they believe. So like eights want impact, but don't want to trust anyone to move into spaces where they have to be vulnerable, right? And nines don't believe they can have impact or that they're worth having impact. And ones are like, I really want to have impact, but I'm not good enough for it. So it's kind of a twist on all of them. And I love how when we are kind of putting these verses together, it's like, oh, there's something that speaks to every one of those little disqualifiers, every one of those fears for those. Yeah. And so we can look at all of them that way, like the heart shame triad. Shame is the presenting emotion. It's the most mm-hmm. easily accessible, but the longing for a two, a three and a four is all just a little nuance from this place of belonging. What, what is the thing that keeps them from that, right? Either that people won't see their worth or that they won't be understood or that they'll be 
not useful enough and be thrown away. And so these scriptures, then these, these affirmations, if we want to call them that, but they're, they're based in the scripture are saying, but I'm beloved because Christ first loved, or I am this because you did that. And I just think it's Mm -hmm. so cool. Yeah. And all three of those heart shame types are trying to find their identity through that belonging. And so when that identity is thrown out onto people groups or onto what I can achieve or how I can present myself or express myself, then they're missing kind of what the exiles really need, which is what is my identity because of the belonging I have in Jesus. Yeah. And I know we're going to go back and revisit each of these a little bit more, which is quickly talk about how fear presents for the head and the thinking triad who are very, that's five, six, and seven. Mm-hmm. Fear again is not a sin in and of itself, but it's getting the attention of us. It's a, like a firefighter that comes out and is saying like, pull back, there's danger back here, you know, or there's danger out there. And so when we listen to that part of us that is afraid, it can lead us on a path of discovery to figure out what is the exile what is the more wounded part of me needing to have a truth about you know like what 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 lie can i trade for a truth that is found in god's word yeah that desire for security and for consistency and stability is not a wrong desire but where are they putting it are they putting it into what they can gather like fives or into planning like sixes or into ignoring it and avoiding it like sevens so Again, it's just the twist, the little nuance everywhere. Like God understands that there's, he didn't write script. He didn't write script, whatever. He didn't inspire scripture to be like a blanket thing for every single cookie cutter personality. Like he created humans with a unique expression of who he is. And I believe that there are promises in there that get to those, every one of those core fears, longings, and desires that we have. Yeah. Um, it's like so many things, even in the physical world with medicine, right? Like somebody created a, a set of glasses that el- uh, enlarge things because probably people were getting older and recognizing they couldn't read like they used to, right? So a magnifying kind of glass was a solution for some people, but that was only a solution for some people who were having a problem seeing up close, right? What about the people who couldn't see far and what did they need? And the more that we studied how the brain worked and how eyes work, like the more nuance we could get with these prescriptions. So they got more specific to what our need was. So like you said, every human being wants to belong and have impact and have security. That's something we all desire. Mm -hmm. Um, And we all deal with the emotions of shame, fear, and anger at some point in our life. But the Lord knows that we kind of have this, like this unique prescription that we need to start seeing more clearly and with more uh, clarity, like what it is uh, to take the blurriness out of our vision. He gives us really beautiful prescription. And so like, yes, I sometimes have anger or shame or fear, but anger is the one that's going to come up a lot because it blocks my goals of doing, or it's the resentment of why as a one why this and you don't have that or whatever. And so the Lord's like, okay, you don't need just the scripture about not sinning in your anger. You need to know that this is what I'm speaking to your heart. So I love that, that he's like you said, he's so specific because he knows us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. So are we still saying that if you're an eight, nine or one, you should take this list of scriptures for the gut anger triad and stand in front of your mirror every morning and read them to yourself? 
all right, so what are we saying we should do with these? And if it's not just memorizing them, which isn't a bad thing, but if it's not just that. I do think reading through them and asking the Lord to show you what is the prescription you need for that day. And it might be different from day to day too. Like maybe a season of grief is clouding your vision in a different way than it would be in other seasons. And so one of those scriptures might really speak to you, but maybe you're not in that season. Maybe you're in a season of, um, a lot of fruitfulness and abundance, and you're just needing to hone in to hear the voice of the Lord more. And so maybe another scripture will speak to you, but in terms of like knowing yourself, what those core fears are, those are fairly consistent through our life. They might take on different forms in different seasons and different levels of maturity, but I don't think like for me as a one, I want to know that I don't have to keep striving for my goodness to be intact. I need to find some rest in that, you know, or for you as a four, you want to know that you don't have to keep striving to be understood or to fill the blank. Great. Like we, we all have those kinds of things that are fairly consistent. They, they get a little, we get a little more mature in our understanding of them, but I do think some of those things can really speak to the heart of the matter. And so like, Lord, what do you want to speak to my heart today? That's heavy with this fear or that's heavy with this unknown. And I just feel like he can use that to speak to us. It doesn't have to be a magic potion that we recite until we believe it or fake it until we make it. But I do think we can ask him to illuminate it, to be living and alive. Like that's what the Bible, like there is the word, the logos, the logic, like the actual written word and the word that comes to us, to our understanding. But then there's the rhema word of God. And that Greek word is like the living word. And it says that it's alive and active, even like a two edged sword. And I believe that that's not to kill us. It's to show us where division has occurred to bring things back into alignment. So um, I think it can be a rhema, a living word to us, but we can't apply it from the outside in. We have to ask the Lord to show us how to apply it from the inside out. That's good. Give us some examples. (laughs) Give me an example of a scripture that you have in your list for the heart shame triad that you could see speaking to each of the three texts. Yeah. Well, I have a whole list and there are four like the triad in general, I didn't break them out by types, but I can see, I mean, as I read these, you're going to go, oh yeah, this one especially is going to hit that for a two or whatever. So um, holler when you hear one that sounds really specific to a type, I've got a few in my head. I am God's child. I am complete in Christ. Uh, Fours. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. I am Christ's friend. Uh, Two. There you go. I am united with the Lord. I am a member of Christ's body. I have been bought with a price. Yeah, just because I feel like they deal with that value and worth piece. Yeah. Yeah. If they know that like there's a price on them that God was like, I deem you so valuable as to purchase you there with, I don't know. Um, I have access to God through the Holy Spirit. I've been adopted as God's child. I belong to God. member I'm a member of Christ's body. I know that twos have a sense of like belonging there, but I almost could see that as for all three of them, like a four Mm -hmm. feels like they would be the part that no one could understand. So how could they fit in? But the Lord is like, no, you have a specific purpose that within the context of the body serves, right? A 
a very unique purpose. And it's not to be despised because without the whole body, we can't operate. Or a two, you know, just knowing that they have a sense of belonging that it is that will feel united to something bigger than them. And a three to know that they're not, you know, what does it say? Like if the eye says to the toe, you know, I don't have any use for you. Like just because you might be the star of the show or you might be on the head where everyone sees you, like we need the whole body. Anyway, that would be my take on that one for all three. <laughs> the only thing I want to say in response to you is that the word unique doesn't need to have a qualifier like very it shouldn't actually <laughs> president bartlett taught me that on the west wing <laughs> i would 100 percent agree with that had i written it i would have crossed it out <laughs> <laughs> but i'm so sorry that that was my takeaway i'm feeling very pedantic <laughs> apparently um <laughs> did you just say pedantic no <laughs> I'm pretty sure what you heard was pretentious. <laughs> what? I didn't say that. What? Okay. <laughs> Moving along. <laughs> Let's look at the uh, head fear triad. Give us some of those scriptures. Yeah, five, sixes, and sevens. Um, so some scriptures to combat fear through consistency and security. Um, I am assured that all things work together for good. Mm-hmm. I am hidden with Christ in God. Mm-hmm. Okay. That one, I kind of feel like sevens need to hear that one. Mm. And I don't know if it's because I've talked to so many sevens who are so afraid of feeling trapped. And I've tried to reframe that word for them to be like, no, you're hidden. Mm. Like he's got you. You're being held. Yeah. So I don't know. Kind of that one. That's good. But also fives. I think fives like to hide. Yeah. That's what my first uh, thought was too. Um, I cannot be separated from the love of God. I am free thing like because the fear of being on their own is is very scary yeah i am free from any charge against me i have not been given a spirit of fear but of power love and a sound mind yeah that's probably a good one for sixes i can find grace and mercy in my time of need Mm. is that like that's i think that would be a really good one for fives yeah um i am born of god the evil one cannot touch me Mm. There's just a lot there about protection and um, no condemnation, things yeah. like that. And the uh, fun thing is about all of that, it's not what you're doing for yourself. So fives and sevens really want to stand independently mm-hmm. and to have to stand in the security of what God's provided can kind of go against the grain of how they're wired. Um, but it's such a sure promise that they will be taken care of. And of course, for sixes too, because they fear they they won't either. They just look for it a little more in the dependent way. But it's such a sure promise that your fears are not going to, um, you're not going to be left alone to figure those out. That's good. And then we have the gut anger triad, eights, nines, and ones. And it's funny because we were just listening to a podcast uh, where Suzanne Stabile was Um, who's an Enneagram teacher we follow, she was explaining why she starts teaching with eights because we've always taught with eights too, because we kind of took the model from her, but you always describe it as we're going to start with eights because they're the first number of the gut anger triad. And Suzanne was like, no, we're going to start with eights because they're the ones who don't want to be in the room and think there's not much about them. They need to change. So the only way to get their attention is to talk about them. Yeah. And then yes. I get rid of a lot of like their skepticism because the next number I talk about is nines and they're so different from eights that they immediately think, oh, 
So not everyone feels the same way and is wired the same way. <laughs> and I was like, that's so genius. Like that makes yeah. so much sense to me. So the fact that eights and nines are so opposite yeah. and yet in the same triad. Mm-hmm. Oh, and what, like the reason behind that it's, I, I love that Enneagram so much. <laughs> no, it, there's so much wisdom in there. It's crazy. I'm just so geeked out about it. So eights, nines, and ones, anger is their emotion. They all want justice. They all want impact. They want to feel significant, but something kind of like their fear of whatever it is keeps them from fully going into that space, especially, I mean, I don't know. I hate to say that because eights are like, what? Nothing holds me back. But <laughs> eights who haven't done the work, they're being held back by a box that maybe it's bigger than a lot of our boxes or whatever they just don't know about it one of the things that holds them back from justice is that they end up in their unhealed state striking with injustice it's true yeah so they need to do the work so that the work they're doing is bringing justice otherwise they might be fighting for their own justice but they're not always fighting for others that's a good point all right so eights nines and ones um i'm god's co-worker Mm. uh I'm just trying. I'm sorry. I got lost in the thought there because I was like, eights probably need to remember that they're co-laboring. They're not the ones in charge. <laughs> not in charge. And this doesn't but all also, rest on. But also, like for a one, it doesn't all rest on me. You know, yeah. if I get if I don't get it all done, it's okay. I'm not anybody's savior. And know? then opposite, hey nines, you're invited into the co-laboring. Mm-hmm. You know, and you have a place of significance there because of that. Right. I'm a minister of reconciliation for God that's good I am a branch of the true vine a channel of his life which I think speaks to that rest for ones like you're a branch of the life he already has out there yeah resting in the relationship with him I don't it's not on me to produce all the fruit then right uh I am seated with Christ in the heavenly realm Mm, I think that's good for nines like they have that three part that's like I could be something but then they disqualify themselves from it and that's such a beautiful story to imagine for them I am the salt and light of the earth I may approach God with freedom and confidence and I feel like that one is good for ones who are like don't look at me don't look at me I'm flawed something's wrong but also for nines who are like am I allowed up here yeah yeah I'm a personal witness of Christ. I have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit, which could feel like a command until you pair it with, oh, because I'm a branch of the true vine. They're literally part of the same passage. Yeah. Um, and then my favorite out of context verse in the whole universe, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, <laughs> which if you look at what it's talking about, it's talking about like sacrifice and humility and things like that. Yeah. Which is such a beautiful promise for eights that even when they're asked to be vulnerable or to put themselves in a position where they're not in power, that they, even when they could be betrayed or think about all the first century Christians, the martyrdom that came, they can do it through the strength that Christ gives them to do that. It's good. So I have found I don't like have these printed out and on my wall or anything because I actually totally forgot they even existed. But I have found that shame as a four, shame being the most easily accessible emotion for me, that I feel it in my body. I feel it 
quickly when it hits. I know how it's playing out, especially as it pairs with Envy. We've talked about that in the past. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciate that now I have like the IFS tools to go, okay, shame as a firefighter. Thank you for signaling my attention. Yeah. Take a step back so I can see what is it that's making this exile feel afraid of whatever I'm afraid of. And that's why shame stepped in. Mm-hmm. And so now I can go, when I can go to that exile, whatever exile that shame was protecting and say, Hey, where's Jesus? What are you afraid of? And I have these words now in front of me. I can be like, what's Jesus saying to you in this moment? He's probably saying like, you are complete in Christ. You're not missing any pieces. Mm-hmm. He's probably saying you're, you have access to God. You're not like kept at arm's length. Yeah. And so it's just really good reminders. I don't have to make up in the moment what Jesus is saying because I have his words at my disposal. Yeah. So that's how I use that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think I can wake up in the morning and just be like, I am God's child. I am complete in Christ. I am Christ's friend. Like not bad things to remember, but when it's happening in the moment, can I get to the exile and let them believe the truth of what Jesus is saying? And so the reason we would go back to why do we memorize the word of God? It's so that in those moments when we need it, they could become that alive word to us. So just saying them, repeating them, memorizing them in and of itself will not necessarily change. But when they begin to collide in those moments where that is the word that part of you needs to hear and to cling to, then it's accessible to you. And I think that that is really um, the best reason for getting, hiding the word of God in your heart, because then it's there when you're ready for it and you need it. And like you said, those are Jesus words to me then in that moment. And I know that I'm hearing it right because it's the word. It's not just a part of my imagination that thinks that's what Jesus is saying. So I think that right. that's uh, really beautiful. What we, what we know is not his word are the things that go against his word. So if yeah. he's condemning us, if he's saying, well, that's it, I'm done with you after this, we're like, well, doesn't line up with the testimony of who you are here so as we put that word in us it becomes this treasure trove for him to pull out and be like let me witness to that word you already know about me because in this moment that's what I need you to hear and so I think that can be the way we use this all right so I think that's my challenge for people this week then as you even if you don't know your type as you hit up against shame fear or anger try to distance yourself from that emotion figure out what's underneath And then see if any of these promises of who Jesus says you are can be something that you, who you are inside, you're one of those inner children that exists within you can start to really believe and, and apply. And that wraps up another episode of the Dauntless Grace Exchange. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave a review so other people can find us. You can follow us on social media to stay connected. We're on Instagram at Dauntless Grace Ministries and our Facebook page is Dauntless Grace. For more about the Enneagram, visit our website at dauntlessgrace.org for coaching and training opportunities. And you can follow me at Enneagram Megan on Instagram. And be sure to check out our website for more information about today's podcast. Plus, you can click the resources tab to find books by all the authors we've spoken to or about. And you can find it at dauntlessgrace.org.